I had this realization that because I'm a Christian, I never have to lay down my peace. Worry is an option on the table if I want it. And that was really helpful for me because there's nothing short to worry about in motherhood. All you have to do is join a mom's Facebook group and you've got plenty to feast on when it comes to worry. And so mm-hmm. when you meet this lady who's like, hey, you never have to lay down your peace. They're like, what is she talking about? Moms need peace more than, more than ever, especially in the culture we have today. My name is Lisa, mother of eight and creator of the blog and YouTube channel, Farmhouse on Boone. Join me as I share with you my love for creating a handmade home from scratch cooking and a little mom and entrepreneur life along the way. Welcome back to the Simple Farmhouse Life podcast. Today, I am bringing on a friend that I met via Instagram. She is kind of known for going live during her home births. It's something that we don't see a whole lot, but when she goes into labor, she flips on her Instagram live. Everybody knows it's go time. And then you get to be very invested in this story and watch as, you know, the countenance changes. She goes through the different stages of labor, whatever that might bring, uh, whatever difficulties or um, blessings throughout it, you get to be a part of. And it's really fun to watch. So this last time she was actually due, I think the same day as me. She ended up having her baby one week before I had Victor. So I was very interested in birth at that exact moment because I was about to go into labor at any any time. So uh, she's she does a lot more, though, than just share her home birth live videos over on Instagram. She shares, like I do, from scratch cooking, caring for a large family. She has seven kids. And after talking with her for an hour, I wanted to talk for another hour. We actually exchanged phone numbers and we're, we would like to get together families. So I think you're really going to enjoy this discussion because Leslie Burris and I became fast friends and I almost feel like we need a part two for this entire interview because there was a lot more questions that were asked via my Instagram farmhouse on Boone. Every time we do an episode, we go on Instagram. My, I don't have a simple farmhouse life Instagram. I just have my main, um, I'm typically known on the internet as farmhouse on Boone and ask the followers, you know, what would you like to hear such and such and I, uh, so-and-so and I talk about? And so this time when I mentioned Leslie Burris, people were very excited because she has quite an Instagram following. So people were excited to hear from her. And there were so many more questions that we didn't even get to. So enjoy this first half of the conversation. Maybe we will continue another half sometime in 2024 with Leslie Burris. Leslie, I'm so excited to have you on today at lunchtime. My husband was like, so who's on your podcast today? And I'm like, Leslie Burris. I'm really excited about it. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Lots of fun things to chat about. Yeah, I looking at the questions. They're so good. I know. Me too. Me too. I'm like, I don't even know if we'll get to all of these because I have like other things I want to talk about as well. But I think a lot of people on the internet know you for going live during your home birth. So we're going to talk about that. And then you also have your Peace on Purpose podcast, which is great for moms, for Christian women, of course. So yeah, tell us about you, your family. And I mean, we got to talk about those live home births too. (laughs) Yeah. So my name's Leslie Burris and I am a Midwest mama of seven. I'm originally from Michigan, but I married a, a Southern man on the internet. We met on Twitter and we got married 47 days after our first tweet, which is a story wow. for another day. But we have <laughs> been married now for 14 years. 
and we have seven children and you and I actually gave birth like days within one another. I think you and I had the same due date. I was due on the 20th of July. Yeah. And so I was watching you and yeah, I usually hit play on the internet, but that was actually my third home birth that I live streamed on Instagram. So that wasn't even like the first time. That's pretty interesting, but I'm a huge I wouldn't say I'm a huge home birth advocate, but I remember years ago when I was thinking about doing home birth, I had all our babies at home and I wish I could have been a fly on the wall to see birth from start to finish, which is why I wanted to do it. And I I have an almost 12 year old and I want her to see birth from that perspective too. So I kind of thought moms with you know, preteens would appreciate seeing what birth could look like and not being afraid. So that's why I do that. But you know, I'm, I'm like you. I, we work together at home. My husband and I are a team. Our full-time job is to raise our seven children, which it is just that, a full-time job. <laughs> There's always a meal to prepare. There's always something to put on the table. There's always someone to minister to, pray for, uh, fights to break up. It's pretty normal in my house. We are, we are a family on the ground loving each other and uh, doing work side by side. So that's yeah. a, little bit about, a little bit about me. That's cool. So for those wondering, I was also due the 20th. You ended up having your baby exactly a week before I had my baby. So I watched you throughout your home birth process. And then I was so jealous when you were on the other side of it, you know, because I'm like, oh, I'm still waiting. And it's going to be, you know, you never just know how it's going to go. And at the time, it felt like so long. I mean, I realized he's only a week older than mine. But at the time, it was forever. Yeah, well, the final week is really the final month. It feels like you're waiting for it. And I found it curious when we were chatting behind the scenes and you were just saying, I was investing in so much anxiety, which isn't normally like what you do. I felt the same way going into it. And I, I don't know what that is, but it feels like as we add more children, like this thing feels a little bit more riskier, you know, like there's a Mm. lot, there's a lot going on and pulling away from the home to be birthing. Like, like you said, being on the other side is almost like a breath of relief in a sense, because you can, you can get back to some form of normalcy, even as a new mom of eight or seven in my case. Yeah. 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 It's also just, even though I, all of my births have really been pretty easy, like compared to a lot of stories I hear, but still, I guess you always wonder, well, what if this one isn't? And there's a lot of variables that can happen. And so I don't know, but I had the easiest birth I've ever had. So no need for anxiety this time around. Isn't that so funny how we do that to ourselves? Like probability and statistics come in. Surely we can't do this again Yes, from a great perspective. And it's like, well, it's possible you actually might be able to, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, okay. I know that you guys work together as a family. What is it? Is it mostly social media that you're doing? I mean, I should know this, but I mean, people find my business really mysterious too. And so I think I get that same question all the time. Like, what what is it that you do? Yeah, so I would say I'm really into affiliate marketing and I do run, I started on Facebook actually. I used to fold my laundry on Facebook. This is so crazy. (laughs) And I would have 400 people watching live. This is crazy. I mean, people would just, I would be folding, like literally I'd have to not, I'd have to omit my husband's underwear, but I was folding everything (laughs) except for that. And people just cracking jokes. I think, you know, I'm again, I'm a Christian. So I read the word, I process the word and I speak it and I just encourage people. I think that's one of my 
spiritual gifts is to encourage. And I think that's what women just wanted. They wanted to be encouraged and they wanted to do something normal that wasn't, you know, curated. And so I did that. And then I moved over to Instagram and I've been doing the same thing now. I usually cook live on Instagram. I bake bread live on Instagram and I give birth apparently on Instagram. And so uh, a lot of our work is, is affiliate marketing, you know, people that like no trust factor is real. And I purposefully set out to serve young moms who maybe they're not 10, 12 years in like you and I are, and they don't have multiple kids. And I especially have a heart for the mom who has two kids ages two and under. Like I want to give her all the encouragement, give her practical tips and tricks. And, you know, at the end of the day, when people ask me, Hey, what's your skincare or what, you know, what's that supplement you're taking or what's your baby carrier? And and I share it with them. They, they get the things that I love. And it's really wonderful because I, I like to tell my husband, I, I serve and minister to moms for free, which is so rewarding. And then I get paid in advertising. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you yeah. use my link and I'm, I'm putting food on the table for my family. It, it's like, pinch me. This is a dream come true for me. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, it's very similar to how our life is. And it's rare to be able to talk to somebody who does it. And it's also such a juggling act for figuring out like which thing each spouse is supposed to do, what, you know, you, you homeschool as well. I'm, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do. So yeah, you're all home all the time, just like us. And it's such a blessing. And then it's also has its own dynamic. My sister and her husband do it too. And they have six kids. So I do have somebody in my real life that does it, which is really great, like to be able to share, <laughs> you know, talk about things that other people just do not understand at all. But yes. um, you know, it it obviously is such a blessing. Like, yeah, how can this be my job? Like sharing with other people just my homemaking. My friend was like, you get to just monetize all the stuff you have to do already. Exactly. You're just you're just sharing things that you already genuinely love. You know, you were going to tell people even if you didn't get paid. So it, that's, I think that's the pinch me for me is like, these are, this is stuff I already really genuinely love and use. So <laughs> yeah. And then don't you also, is it a course or a live group? You also do help women who want to start a business, correct? Yes. Yeah, so I run, um, I partnered with my friend Aubrey who is bringing in 10 years worth of experience in things like funnels and building on social media. She knows a lot of nuts and bolts and things like that. And we started what's called the Peace and Profit Business School, and it's for brand new entrepreneurs. So this is for the like curious mom who is, she sees maybe what you do, or she sees what I do and they have questions. And then they're like, could I do that from home? And so I, I actually, instead of jumping them or pushing them over to someone like Brendan Bruchard, who is like, get it, go do this, do that. Uh, this is a more loving approach to saying, what do you have in your home and how can you leverage that to bring in more income for your family so you could have more financial sovereignty? And this is such a fun conversation because a mm-hmm. lot of the coaching I do is really just sharing with women how they they already have this intuitive ability to sell. I love when women tell me they can't sell anything because I'm like, girl, I just saw you sell your two-year-old to eat his peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So I know you know how to sell. If you can sell to a toddler, you can sell to anyone. But the thing that hangs most 
mompreneurs up or mom entrepreneurs or budding people who are thinking about it is they just don't believe they have what it takes. And so my coaching mm-hmm. really is, it's not asking them to believe something they don't, they'll never believe. Like I'm not a huge affirmations person, but I love speaking to them and asking them questions like, well, again, I just saw your son, you know, you just sold him a peanut butter sandwich. You, you talked him into that. I'm sure. Do you have any products in your house? Or do you make anything? Do you knit? Do you have products that you would love to sell? Do you want to sell some sourdough? What what lights you up and how can you turn around and shorten the time of suffering for someone else? And so I'm really the beginning gate conversation of becoming an entrepreneur. I love brand new people. I was not a first generation entrepreneur. I stumbled into this lifestyle and then cultivated it for cultivated it for seven or eight years. And now I love it. And again, I have a heart for young moms who want to be financially sovereign. And I also understand that for those of you guys who are listening to this and you're triggered thinking like, I'm this girl who's going to tell you how to be a multimillionaire overnight. I would never tell you that. I would say it, then Lisa, you can attest to this. It is hard work, but it's worthy work and it's a worthy cultivation and it's worth the investment if you keep it up and you believe it's possible. So that's who I like to help and serve. Yeah. And I like that you're talking about some of these very, very, not small because it's never small, but I like that starting there. Cause that's where I started with my business. And I wouldn't have been ready to hear some of these like big thinkers who are like, this is how you make six figures in a month. And I would have been like, cool. I don't see that that's possible. So starting with like selling sourdough and some of these, you know, smaller things, I think is something we don't see a lot in the business world to moms. Yeah. And, and that's just it too. Like I work with a lot of moms who say, well, I have this craft that I would love to sell, but how much do I charge for it? It feels wrong to charge for it. So I'll teach them like how to work backwards and calculate, you know, how much it costs to make it, how much it costs for your time and then charging at 40% above. And then they're like, oh, well, that's reasonable. And once they've decided something's reasonable, they're more likely to take action and actually do something for it. So It's a really sweet lane. And like you said, you know, I'm not, I don't love the idea of saying you can earn six figures a year. I don't know about you. I don't know your family upbringing, but we never saw six figures anything when I was a child. Like I did just did not grow up that way. (laughs) It was not normal to receive a $20,000 per month commission from anyone or anything. That was not how I grew up. And so I think jumping into the deep end of that pool and telling moms that that's possible can, again, it feels too too far away. It feels too mm-hmm. la la dreamland when really it is possible, but you do need to start from a much smaller position. Yeah. I love that mindset. I actually did grow up in an entrepreneurial family and I know that some people will shut off like right when they hear that, like, Oh, unfair advantage, which in, in a lot of ways, yes. But also like I did have to, you know, build my own business. Like my parents don't quite understand my business to be honest with you. <laughs> I go on the internet, dad, and I make money. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) He loves quizzing me on the numbers, but like, as far as how it actually works, he's like, it's his mind's kind of blown with it, but definitely an entrepreneurial person that understands like that. It's a cool opportunity, (laughs) at least that much. Yeah, it is. And my dad is the same way. He's like, so tell me about this company. Cause I'll tell him a number and he's just like mouth on the floor. I don't understand (laughs) how, how, why, What is it that you do? Like, I've known you your whole life. Explain to me (laughs) how this works. You're just a regular person. (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh, with man. floppy hats behind me false advertising right yeah <laughs> leslie's in a airbnb right now so this is not actually her uh cool influencer <laughs> spot even though you do have lots of cool influencer spots throughout your house i do yeah that's on purpose for sure let's talk about natural skincare. as a lot of us are trying to clean out our houses our diets Skincare is something that is also really important because our skin is our body's largest organ and what goes on the skin does actually make its way in and affect our health. So it's important to choose quality, but one problem I've had over the years with natural skincare companies or DIYs, I've tried making my own lip balms, face serums, cleansers, they're great, but they don't have the same effectiveness as the drugstore or the department store brands that are full of chemicals and things I don't want in my body. Tubes & Co. is an organic skincare company. It's a small company that uses all natural ingredients. So for example, I have this tallow balm sitting here on my desk or my dresser, which is my desk for the day that is made from grass-fed tallow, virgin olive oil, essential oils, and that's it. It's super luxurious on my skin. I love it during these colder months because my skin tends to dry out and look really lifeless, but this product really nourishes it and brings it back to life. I also love Tubes & Co. makeup. I currently have on the Tubes & Co. eyebrow pencil, which is my favorite thing, the primer, the foundation, the mascara, for a really simple, low makeup, but yet not just my bare splotchy face look. I love Tubes & Co makeup. It doesn't feel like I'm buying a healthy brand. It feels like really nice makeup that also happens to have extremely clean ingredients. You can check out Tubes & Co and use the code farmhouse for 10% off over at toopsandco.com. That's T-O-U-P-S and co.com. Again, don't forget to use the code FARMHOUSE for 10% off your order. Okay, so that's something I want to talk to you about. I want to know about your stove, okay? Because <laughs> I have a, I know, right? Like, we're just going to go to the, the nitty-gritty here. Yeah, I, I have it. a vintage stove, and I love it to an extent, okay? However, coming off of summer here... It heats up the entire house because it, the insulation is so bad on it because it's antique. Mm -hmm. There's a few problems with it. And, you know, I, I do love it. It gets the job done. I bake tons of sourdough in it. But it's like you see two doors on the front of my oven. One side's just storage. It doesn't actually isn't an oven at all. So I can only do one cast iron Dutch oven at a time. Um, I do have to light it with a match or or a lighter, which is actually not a big deal at all. But sometimes I think about getting a stove like yours and then part of me worries about people judging me for it. <laughs> okay, right. I'm gonna, so. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell you my stove right now. Are you ready for this? Because I oh love it. I'm already I a hot market. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pray for your husband in advance, Lord. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you know, honestly, a couple things. I love. I think your stove is beautiful. And again. I'm going to blow your mind. So my, my stove is on 24 seven, 365. It is hot and ready because so of when, Ballerina farm. Yes. So I was inspired by her. Okay. But like you, I looked up the price and I was like, I cannot do that. That's, that's bougie. I mean, I could, but I don't yeah. do, I want to do that, you know? So right. <laughs> my husband, I, I'm like you, I'm a Facebook marketplace person. Okay. So I did a search within a 500 mile radius in four different parts of the country. 
Okay. Mm. I found this oven in pieces in Houston of all places to have an oven like this. Houston in pieces, $3,500. Not bad. I mean, for something that's typically $30,000 brand new, it's, it's a definite antique piece. I mean, I spent over a thousand to get mine restored. Like it was cheap. I got it for 200 bucks on Facebook marketplace, but all in, I mean, it was still a bougie oven in a way. And so a common (laughs) question that I get is like, does it make your house too hot? You may, if you get one, you may have to reinforce your floor. That is definitely something to consider because this thing is 1300 pounds. It is all cast iron. It is. Okay. It's beautiful. It's almost 30 years old. And the man who designed it is blind. So the whole oven doesn't have any knobs. Everything is touch and there's four oven doors. And I have a 250 degree oven door, a 150 degree oven door, a 450 oven and a 350 oven. So I can do everything in one oven at the same time. Hmm. It's so efficient. (laughs) <laughs> I'm telling you, I will sell you on yeah. this thing. It would look beautiful in your farmhouse. And I bet you'd get to a million subscribers in no time. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Okay. So what are the questions you get? Like it does it heat your house. That's, that was one of the questions. So does it? Yeah. It's, it feels to me like radiant heat. If you've ever had radiator heat, like, like where it's like hot water. Mm-hmm. If you walked up to it, you don't want to touch it. It's hot to the touch. But when you stand next to it, it's almost, I would liken it to like holding a hot cup of coffee. Like you kind of want to hold it close, but you're not burned by it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Okay. I mean, that's like my oven, honestly. Yeah. So it's, it's beautiful. And there's like a, uh, what is it called? It's like an acrylic or ceramic coating over it. So like the kids, they just, Mm -hmm. they're, it's, they warm up next to it. Like they can touch it. They know where it's too hot. Like my kids actually are cooking younger and younger with this oven because there's no fire, because there's no knobs. They can just walk up. Literally, I wake up and my almost two-year-old, which you and I have another son that's like very close in age. My other son is was born mm-hmm. November 11th, 2021. And so he yeah, wakes was October, up. October 26th. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, we're like on par. So <laughs> um, <Yes. laughs> I can wake, he wakes up. I go in, I get him from his crib, or actually I don't even, I hear him, I open the lid, I fry an egg in less than a minute, I put it on a plate, I go grab him, take him out of his sleep sack and set him down and he's eating breakfast in less than a minute. It is incredibly efficient and I just love that my kids can learn how to cook too because that's a big thing for my heart as well as teaching my kids how to cook. I have so many questions. So why is it on all the time? Like, what's the reason? And then is it, it's, it's gas, I'm assuming, but there's no flame. I'm, I really don't understand how it even works. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're looking at the front of the oven, um, there's a, there's a fire at the middle of the oven and it it acts like a pilot light. So the whole thing is cast iron, but there's a flame in the middle of it. And above that is the boiling plate. So that's how you can boil your water and things like that. But that one flame distributes the heat throughout the whole oven. And this, ours is gas, but you can get electric and you can get a combo. You can get an electric and gas one. So there's, there's options, but keeping it on full time actually makes my, like, it makes my heating bill lower. Right. And it's once it's to temp, like once it gets to temp, it runs kind of like an air conditioner does. It's just staying at a place where it's always 
at the right temp. So it's not, it's not running all the time per se. Like once it's on into temp, it's, it's more affordable to keep it running at that place. So yeah, every oven is hot and ready for you at all times. And then when we go on trips, like right now we're on a, we're on a trip, we turn it all the way down. So it's just that tiny little pilot light, like you have, although you light yours, right? You light your pilot light and then you turn it on. Yeah. So the oven doesn't have a pilot light. So that's why I light that with a lighter or a match, but the burners have a pilot light and that does stay on whether we're out of town or not. So it's, those flames are always going. So I guess similar to that. Usually it's flipped, right? Usually it's the top one. Like usually it's the oven that stays the pilot light on all the time, right? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why ours doesn't, why it was like that in 1949. I'm really used to it. And that's all really straightforward. Is it that like with the aga or however you say it, is it Mm -hmm. that it would like take too long to heat back up? Is that why it doesn't, you don't turn it off in between time? Yeah. So it takes about six hours to get to temp. Okay. So once it's at temp, it's heated and good to go. Mm Mm-hmm. I have so many questions. So to turn this like not into a, like a whole like Q and A about this. <laughs> An oven podcast. I'll just ask one more, <laughs> but like, okay, my oven's cast iron and I wonder how long it takes to come to temp. I've never actually tested it. Maybe it's never to temp. I mean, how would I know? So how long, how long, if I, if I were coming to your house and you were needing to put bread in the oven, how long from the time you light it and turn it on to the time you put the bread in the oven? How much time are you looking at usually? It depends. I would say sometimes I do 30 minutes, sometimes I do an hour. But I will say that I always have to bake my stuff way longer than recommended. And so I'm sure it's probably just not to temp, but I've never actually thought about that before. Yeah. Cast iron takes a really long time to heat, but once it's heated, it stays hot for a really long time. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And so does mine. So, so that's one of the benefits of having cast iron on all the time. Cause it's again, my oven, she does all the heavy lifting for me. I mean, I can come home and I can actually listen. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to sell you on this. <laughs> I can make dinner at seven in the morning, stick it in the warming oven in the crock pot door. And I don't have to do anything to it until like grits stay hot and creamy for 24 hours in the warming oven. It is bananas awesome it's so great so what if you wanted to make two loaves of sourdough bread would you use the 350 and the 450 or would you increase the 350 or because i know you probably have that happen all the time like how do you handle that yeah so i typically i typically just do one loaf at a time now i make bulk bread but i keep it in the fridge until i'm ready to bake so i do one at a time in the 450 I wouldn't do the 350. So the the rule of law is that heat rises, right? So I can get away with doing a recipe that's at 375 in the 350 oven if I put it on the top shelf. Okay. So even the like the distribution of heat is I can get away with and play with temps. So it's a little bit more forgiving. Okay. So I bet you anything I could bake sourdough bread in the bottom one that's 350. And probably it would take me about the same time that you're getting with yours. If you have to extend your time, that's probably what would happen if I did it in both. Okay. So yeah, I also bake it one at a time because I only can actually fit one in my oven. So I guess it wouldn't be any different there. But yeah, same. If you wanted to take it from 350 to 450 in that four, 350 oven, mm-hmm. what, how long would it take to increase by 100 degrees? Yeah. So you actually can't. That's the thing. There's no dials. You can't oh, increase okay. any of the temperatures. They are oh, set in stone. Gotcha. So everyone is preset. And then oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yep. So what's great is like, 
I can be simmering my rice in the simmering oven at 250, okay? And I can have my bread in the oven at 450 or roasting a chicken. Let's say I'm doing spatchcock chicken and root veg. I can have that going in the top. I can bake bread underneath that in the same oven door. And then down below, I could be right. doing, you know, maybe some, I don't know, whatever you wanted to do. I, I, t- I like to cook other veggies and things like that in the 350 oven just because it's there and it's... right. You know, again, I can, if I have to nurse the baby, I can put food in the oven and go do what I need to do, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. So interesting. I knew, I guess, next to nothing about this, like, except for that it was always on and that it was really, really beautiful. That's about, like, inexpensive. That's all I knew. (laughs) Uh, I like the idea, though. But it's very efficient, too. Yeah. Yeah. I will look into it. Uh, Yes. Listen, um, I will pray for your husband, though. The pieces are so heavy. My husband, he had, didn't have a manual or nothing. Listen, I am forever thankful for my husband who is willing Uh to do heavy lifting for me when I get ideas and I'm like, babe, I found this on Facebook marketplace and he embraces himself. (laughs) I know my husband's so used to it. It's funny. So like with that, like with your husband and you, you guys doing your business from home, does he do a lot of behind the scenes work for your business? Cause I know there's so much behind the scenes. Yeah. So there really is. And he's a project manager by trade. So he's a project manager oh. out in the nine to five world, which means he's really good at Excel spreadsheets and scheduling and emails and making sure everybody's doing what they do. So, which is really great for someone like me. I can turn on the camera. I can smile. I can show you how to do something. I can support you and love you and coach you. And so um, I'm more the front facing for the business. And then he's doing a lot of the stuff that I am not gifted at at all. And my husband, actually, he does a hundred percent of the homeschool. A hundred percent of it. Okay. The kids love to learn from him. Uh, that's very different, but I tend to teach my children more practical things and like baking and cooking and sewing and how to interact with friends. And I coach them through awkward moments. And he's like, they just learn so well from him when it comes to books and staying on task. Again, he's the project manager guy. So he can say like, you need this assignment, you need this assignment. And so we're really just playing to our gifts instead of, you know, being more about gender roles or, you know, having to be a specific thing. We really just want to use our gifts to Mm -hmm. serve and love and advance our family. Yeah. And I, I do think that can look different for each family. I know that that could be a controversial thing to say in Christian circles, Yeah, but okay. This is what's funny. If your husband went and got a job as a public school teacher, people would be like, yay, but he's a private school teacher for seven kids. And it's kind of like, oh, like, oh, you know, like, yeah, what? like, is he neutered? Oh, he's, oh, you're the alpha person. Like what? No, that's not true. Yeah. He's, <laughs> No, that's not how this works at all. It's actually quite masculine, if you think about it, to train up and teach your children. That is a very strong thing to do. Um, And I think when we do that Christian bubble thing, we minimize what women are doing. You know, we're saying like, that's a lesser job. And I'm saying your kids have to go out and, you know, raise their own kids and teach their own kids. It's, It's quite a heavy lift if you think about it. Yeah. Well, and he's being a teacher for his you know, his own kids. But if it, if it was a a position, like a paid position teaching kids anyways, before I get too much controversial stuff (laughs) over here, I'm sure your husband (laughs) and uh, mine or your husband and you and me and my do what my husband and um, I do, which is 
we have to meet like very, very, very regularly because my job is ever changing and our kids are ever changing. We have more kids, they get older, we have different activities. And so we constantly like, you can probably say like right now, this is what my husband does. He does X, Y, Z. But if I asked you a month from now, I don't know about you, but it might not even be the same because for us, it changes nonstop. If you were to ask me what role each of us play in this whole craziness that we have going on over here. Oh yeah. I mean, we're in this stage now where we have like, I don't want to say two sets of children, but we have, you know, we, we have, we have the bigs and we have the babies Mm -hmm. and you know, those, that in and of itself is ever changing because we're like, we're again, we're doing different things with bigger children than we are with babies. And so we, we kind of have a divide and conquer philosophy on that too, is like, you know, the babies are really mine because they're so attached to me. I nurse my children. And so like, I'm doing a lot of the kissing of boo-boos and picking up and doing diaper changes and things like that. And he's, you know, loving and serving the, the bigs. And sometimes that flip-flops, you know, sometimes he's more with the babies and I'm with the bigs. It just, again, like you said, our schedules, we, we have to, uh, I have to text him and say like, Hey, here's what's going on today. And here's, here's what we got coming down the pipeline. Here's a phone call that I have and here's this coming up. And it is a lot of communication and yes, it's different every month because everybody's Mm -hmm. growing and everybody's getting different skills and sleeping is different. You have a newborn. I have a newborn. We're coming into more of a well-oiled machine moment, you know, where the baby is getting into good rhythms. And so for a couple months there was dicey. We didn't have good rhythms yet. We were Mm -hmm. on the ground establishing that and working. And it does require a lot of flexibility, like you said. Yeah. And like you said, with the whole divide and conquer thing, I am telling that to people all the time because that's exactly something. Well, it's something I don't hear about a lot because most, not most people, but a lot of people that I interact with have like four, I don't know, however many kids, but they have them in a small amount of time and then they grow up, right? Like with the kids, they go through the stages. And I I hardly ever hear moms of large families talk about what it's like to have big kids and little kids. And like you, we have to divide and conquer all the time. And sometimes I feel kind of guilty about it because I remember when we used to do things (gasps) as a family and we kind of can't because if we do, then the big kids don't get to do things that big kids do. And so we're the same. Like we, we flip flop. (laughs) I know. Right. Yes. I don't ever hear people talk about this. So I think you either don't do anything, which is a totally a fine thing to do. Like some people who have large families just lean into like, we're just going to stay home. And that's, that's one way to do it. Then you have like our family, there are some things like I want the big kids to be able to do. And so like, I'll take these kids to do this and then he'll take these kids to do that. And we actually have a trip planned this winter for, we, we used to, my family took us skiing like every year as kids. And the last 10 years ish, now eight years, I've stayed home with whatever littles we've had and he takes the bigs. And now it's literally divided right down the middle. Like there's four bigs, there's yep. four littles and now soon yes, it'll be five same. big, who knows? But yeah, right now it's like, okay, I'll take the babies, you take the bigs. And even even like church on Wednesday nights, I think people probably think like, why does she never come? Because why would I take four babies, five and under, out till 8.30 or 9 at night? Like, why would I do that? What good would that be? I'd just be sitting in the nursery with tired kids. So Luke takes big kids. And then I take big kids to an Awana the next night. So anyways, yeah, I don't think people talk about this much. Yeah, no, that's a... 
that's a real thing, you know? And I've wrestled with a lot of guilt in this. Actually, it's so funny you bring this up, and I, I hope this blesses someone. We came down here, we're on vacation right now, and we talked about taking the kids to the Grand Canyon. And my friend was telling me about her experience with the Grand Canyon. And I was mortified. I was like, I'm not taking the babies on that trip. Like it's hiking and there's no gates and there's no, like we have one of those big wagon strollers. I'm sorry. I love, I love you guys, but I am not, I'm not paying tribute. Like that's so much work with three children yeah, ages four and under <laughs> to yeah. hike all that. Yeah. And they're not going to remember a single no. thing of it. Right. No. And so my husband said, okay, well, how do you feel about me taking the bigs up and I'll go overnight and I'll take the big kids to the Grand Canyon and you stay home. And we have like a perfectly great sandbox that my four-year-old thinks is Disneyland. And so mm-hmm. I think for us, we're just learning how to not feel sad about that, but embrace the beauty of that, of like, wow, you know, it. this is not a problem unless we make it a problem. And it's okay to acknowledge the season for what it is. And again, like you said, when our kids were ages you know, we had four ages, five and under, we were a unit everywhere. We, I did Wednesday night. Uh, we didn't do Awana, but we did like mops group. It was great. Check them all in, do the thing. It was great. But then once they graduated from that, it was like, do I not do that anymore? Like, what are we, I can't, the big kids aren't going to sit in with me. They're going to be miserable. The little kids, you know, they don't really care. It's more of a fight if you can get them in the car. You know, it's like you have to question whether or not it's, I don't know, it is. That guilt thing is, it, it is something that I think about on the regular. And um, especially when we say, well, no, we can't go because the babies need to go to bed. I think that's hard for me. You know, like, mm-hmm. you guys, we can't go do this because we have babies. And that for me feels worse than telling the babies no. <laughs> Right. right. Yes. Yes. So. I I agree. It's a it's an interesting dynamic that until you're there, it might seem like, oh, you know, we'll stay together as a family. And uh, once you're there, it's like, it just makes sense. And I have things I want my big kids to be able to do. And it, you know, we have two perfectly capable parents. So one can keep the littles home and that's comfortable because you have their beds and you have their schedules. And then we have the other parent like Usually it ends up being, like you said, it usually ends up being Luke taking big kids and me staying home with babies, which I'm fine with. I'm a homebody. Same. It's fine. Like I would like to go, but not if it includes babies, right? Same. Like I'm, I'm a homebody too. Putting a baby in a canoe going down the river. <laughs> Some like, women I'd do that. Rather I not camp with babies. <laughs> I know. My sister's one of them. She'll, she, her family doesn't divide up because she like would rather go and have all the inconvenience than not go. And I'm like, but it's, it's like more than just inconvenient to me. It's terrible. Yes. <laughs> like I don't like yes. taking little babies, you know, on a river. All yeah, day. no, um, I'm not comfortable. And if I'm not comfortable, it's also kind of, you know, I don't want, I want to be a good mom at the end of the day. <laughs> that would not, that would not contribute to that goal of mine. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I know. So well, funny. yeah, a peaceful mom, like that's what you talk about on your yeah. podcast all the time is, yeah peace mm-hmm. and just coming from a mom who you said used to have a lot of anxiety ha- having that peace it's you know it's a challenge yeah i used to say that i come from a long line of women who worried about everything mm-hmm. and we were always looking over our shoulder waiting for the next shoe to drop and i remember i'm i'm a first generation christian in my family i have a crazy testimony i was not i did not grow up in the church i got saved when i was mid 20s 
And, you know, I had this realization that because I'm a Christian, I never have to lay down my peace. And which means I'm worry is an option on the table if I want it. And that was really helpful for me because there's nothing short to worry about in motherhood. All you have to do is join a mom's Facebook group and you've got plenty to feast on when it comes to worry. Everybody's talking about (laughs) everything, right? Like this is going on with my kid and this is what this could mean. And everybody's like, ah, you know? And so Mm -hmm. when you meet this lady who's like, hey, you never have to lay down your peace. They're like, what is she talking about? That, what is this (laughs) thing that you're, you're saying? But it is, it's true. Moms need, moms need peace more than, more than ever, especially in the culture we have today. Mm -hmm. Okay. So with that, let's go into some of these audience questions. The first category is on motherhood and parenting. I'm going to read some of the like more specific. I feel like some of these are very like open-ended. So how, how, how the first question is how to instill godly values in a child's life. That's a very, uh, that could take like a whole podcast episode in itself, (laughs) but do you have any quick thoughts on that one? (laughs) Yeah, I think for me in just a nutshell, and I have a podcast episode on this, but I think for me, it's apologizing to my children often and modeling, modeling, making it right. Like Mm -hmm. acknowledging that me as their parent, I am also not nailing it just like they're not nailing it all day. And so I think our daily conversation and saying like, hey, I need a a power that is outside of myself to help me because I feel really selfish. You want all these snacks and I want to sit here and scroll my phone and do things on Pinterest. This is, you know, like I think the more open and honest we are about those conversations, and then we all come back to the word together and we read scripture and let it be our mirror, I just have a hard time believing that kids could walk away from that very easily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. What do you do for family time in the evenings? I'm sure, again, this changes with seasons, right? Like I feel like we have very little time right now. Yeah, we have two sets of bedtimes. So we have bigs and babies. And so we usually get all the babies in, settled in bed around 7, 7.30. And then we we usually have our bigs in bed around 8.30. And then on the weekends, we'll do like 9.30. And so the weeknights look like, mm-hmm. well, we like to watch MasterChef together or we like to play a game. But it's usually just <laughs> quieter around the house, hanging out together. And then on the weekends, we'll like watch a movie and do popcorn. We We... I say, it sounds like we watch a lot of TV, but we actually have our TV on wheels. We we have like the school. Do you remember in school when they used to roll in the TV and you'd be like, oh, we're watching a movie. So that's what we do. We have our TV on wheels and we keep it in the closet and then we'll pull it out at the end of the day and we'll like watch a show together. Usually we're watching Farmhouse on Boone, if I'm honest. (laughs) (laughs) The kids are like, you want to watch cooking? You just cooked all day. What? goodness that is so funny and for the listeners yeah. you've started a youtube channel correct uh yeah i took your youtube course you better believe it it was so good uh <laughs> i loved it it works and i listen i'm on my way to almost 2000 subscribers and making videos that first video was the hardest just uh-huh. posting it not not making it but just posting just it posting and now it and yeah now we're good so Oh my goodness. Yeah, if you guys yeah. need to, if you've been thinking about starting a channel, Lisa's course is so thorough and so good. I, I appreciate you. I'm so happy to be in there. 
That's awesome. But yeah. do you watch your own YouTube shows? Like, do you watch your own things? Because I feel weird doing that. You mean like watch my own um, videos? Yeah. Yeah. Do you like sit down at the end okay, of the day and so, say, I wonder. <laughs> you know what? what? I today. sometimes do. <laughs> and I think that sounds so embarrassing. But like I share, you know, I've been sharing on YouTube for about six years now. And it's fun to go back and be like, what was I doing, you know, two years ago in October? Mm. And like, oh, I remember doing that project or making that food. Oh, I forgot about that dish. Like we used to make that all the time. Or remember when we went to that place? And so, yeah, actually, I kind of do. I like watching That's my own videos. That's so good. <laughs> um, now I understand yeah. why my kids yeah. want to watch it. That makes sense to me. That makes total sense Yeah, to me. I'm sure it's like a video library. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I don't do it much, but like... You know how the algorithm is like sometimes I have two different I'm logged in. I have like two different YouTube logins like one has YouTube premium. So anyways, it's not the same one as my channel. And so YouTube like thinks I want to watch my channel. So it'll pop up like a video from when we went to this place. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Like, it's kind of fun having those old (laughs) videos, you know, like I don't do it all the time, but I do sometimes. <laughs> yeah, the algorithm says you should watch this lady. She's really cool. And you're like, yeah, I, I agree. Know. She's it's like, cool. uh, that's me. And then I click on it, I take the bait, and then it recommends my videos to me again. <laughs> oh, man. That's so good. <laughs> I want to take a quick break to tell you about my blogging masterclass. So, seven, almost eight years ago, I bought the domain farmhouseonboon.com and started posting on a blog. Since then, I have learned so much. The first several years was just me figuring it out, figuring out what to post, lots of light bulb moments. Spoiler alert, it's no longer a journal where you share what your family's doing and what you're working on. Blogging is a whole different strategy. A lot of people think that blogging is dead, but it is far from dead. It's actually the most profitable part of our business is blogging. So it is by no means dead, but it does require a whole different strategy. And I see a lot of people making a lot of mistakes, even some seasoned bloggers who aren't aware of like how blogging has changed. That is why I have my free masterclass where I show you my four step framework that I use for becoming a full time blogger. So for over five years now, my husband's been home. We've made blogging a full time income and you can find that masterclass over at bit.ly forward slash farmhouse blogging school. All one word, all lowercase bit.ly forward slash farmhouse blogging school. Okay, so we have a few newborn specific questions. When do you get a baby on a schedule? And honestly, I want to know this from you too, because I have eight kids and I feel like a newbie in a lot of ways. Like, I feel like I always just kind of get through the whole Mm. thing as opposed to like having, like some moms are like, this is what we do. And I'm always like, I don't know. Like when the stage comes up, I kind of like, oh yeah, I think this is what I do now. Like I don't have a good answer for that. Yeah, I actually, I don't believe in sleep training, but I believe in sleep suggestion. And I, tr- my goal, is, well, to answer the question directly, when do I start? I start the minute they're born, but it's not rigid. Oh, that's like where I go wrong. You might think. No. <laughs> so yeah. like I do, so in, during the day, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., the baby, like I will nurse the baby and then change the diaper and have them be awake, and then they fall asleep on their own, either in the wrap or in their little bouncy chair, okay? And then I do that all day long. So when they wake up, I nurse them, I change their diaper, and I, they fall asleep on their own. So they don't associate nursing with sleeping. This is the key. 
And then at 7 p.m. I just got him to sleep during this podcast. Yeah. Well, listen, (laughs) you're not doing it wrong. But I like at 7 p.m. I just flipped the script. So like I'll change his diaper, put his jammies on and nurse him to sleep. My goal, though, is to teach him the difference between night and day. So that way he Ah. sleeps at night like he knows when we when I nurse him to sleep, he knows that it's nighttime, which he doesn't know. But it's a it's a rhythm. Yeah. And so I think that's like the Mm -hmm. easy method. That's something that that I read like firstborn baby a decade ago, and it really does mm-hmm. work. Listen, I, I, my son right now, he's you know almost three months old, and he wants to go to bed at like seven thirty. Like he wants to nurse and go to sleep. It's it's wild, and so yeah, I do it right away. But I'm not rigid about it. I do it because it serves our schedule, not because I am a slave to their sleep schedule. And there's a big difference in that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. There are some sleep programs and things like that, which will be very rigid. And if it doesn't feel peaceful, it probably isn't. Like, listen to your intuition on that one. Yeah. So what age are you able to, like, put them down for a nap? Because for me, it's not till they're, like, eight months old. And so I know I'm doing something wrong there. <laughs> mm, well, naps are a little bit different. So, like, I don't put him in. So we, we co-sleep. And so our baby is in in bed. And so we, I don't lay him down for naps. Uh, He's usually on me and the baby or like in the carrier, or he's in his bouncy chair. And it's at night that we do the, 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 the bed thing. Uh, So probably like you, like eight or nine months when I'm, I wouldn't say like, they're not sleeping in their crib at night per se yet, but I'm putting them towards that path during the day. Does that make sense? Okay. So that's just like me then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, we always figure it out, right? Like that's the thing I always want to tell moms. The worst part about this whole sleep thing is your stress about it. Like you're like, I'm ever to get this kid to sleep. Like I can't figure out what to do. They don't sleep. I have to hold them. It, it will pass and it won't be a big deal in hindsight. And so I, I know that. And that's why like I don't care that he's sleeping in my arms. I don't care that he, you know, he's up till 10 o'clock. I just, it's like, yeah, but he's going to be one and then he's going to sleep. And it's like, it's just, that's the part that makes it so bad is the worry. Like with my first, that was, that was what made it hard was being like, how's this going to work? Like, I got to figure this all out. And so I think that's a good encouragement, right? Like, just don't even worry about it. (laughs) It will pass. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Cause here's the thing, you know how you walk into a room and you're like, Ooh, What's going on in here? The tension is so thick, I could cut it with a knife, right? We can feel each other's thoughts. And that's what happens. Like the baby can tell that you're like, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go Mm -hmm. to sleep. And like, they can feel your panic. And so they're kind of like agitated and like stirring up, like what's going on? Like they can feel your thoughts. And so, like you said, if you can just learn to say, it's not a problem unless I make it a problem. Yes, exactly. Oh, it's just so much better. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. It's just so much better. And you actually enjoy your motherhood more. This is when first-time moms come to me and say, like, do you wake your baby every three hours to nurse them? And I'm like, never. I never, I never do that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I break all the rules. If it's a sleeping baby and I know that they're healthy, we do not wake that sleeping baby. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. No, no way. Right. If they're going to sleep a little bit more than that at night, great. But most likely if you actually paid it, like if I actually paid attention, he's probably nursing like more like once every hour or two um, during the day and a little less at night. I don't pay attention. I have no, no clue. And that's another thing that like, you know, as long as the baby's gaining weight, that's just not something you have to worry about. But that's how you stay happy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Again, like you're, I think looking for cues of like, how's the baby breathing? Like, again, keeping your baby on you and letting them self-regulate with your heartbeat. Like those are the things that really matter. Um, not necessarily how long they're sleeping or how long they're not sleeping. If, like you said, if you can get into that place where you just trust that it's going to iron itself out, I promise you they're not going to be, they're going to sleep eventually sometime. Mm-hmm. They really will. They really will. <laughs> when? I don't know, but, but they will. <laughs> okay. So a lot of this is about us. Like you almost worry less the more kids you have because you're on the other side of it in a lot of ways. So that leads to the next question. In what ways is life easier with a large family? And I think like for me, like my first answer is just perspective because it's, it's really not, but it is because you're, there's so many things you're just not stressed about. Yeah. I, I, I feel like with every child that comes and just the big family question in and of itself, I did stress out a lot more when I had less children, but I think that I wrestled with a lot of mom guilt because when I came out the gate, I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. Yes. And then it was like, I did that, (laughs) which was great, but it wasn't sustainable or scalable. (laughs) Okay. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it all sounds good till you have... A million Seven. children to keep track. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, I could not <laughs> yeah. have a pack and play with the little blackout dome. Yeah, it's just, I couldn't have that in my car. Like, I drive the same car as you do. It's still, all that stuff still wouldn't fit in my car. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but I would say, again, like, you you learn to go with the flow with a big family. You understand that not everything is a big deal because if you made it that way, you would be in chronic stress. Like I would have, like there's, it would just just, be so miserable. Yeah. And I think, I think the big family thing is you learn to let go. And also, I don't know if you experienced this, but it's really hard to be selfish in a big family. Like my kids, they kind of look out for each other. I mean, yeah. (laughs) They serve one another, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, I'm, I am mindful of my older girls and saying like, do this, do this, do this. But I just noticed too, that they, you know, they just see a need and fill a need. And we're constantly doing that. And I didn't have that when I had four children under the age of five, it was like me and my husband went out to work and it was a lot different in that stage than it was today where I have, you know, I have more people who are mindful of others more often, which is so amazing. I would say if you want, if you're thinking about a big family, but you're nervous about it, or you're like, I can't even handle the two that I have, I would encourage you this way. Capacity comes at the moment you need it, Mm -hmm. not any minute sooner. And sometimes we can get so hung up on the what ifs and we don't tend to offer ourselves the what if everything turns out really beautiful, even when it's messy. We usually offer ourselves the what if it all goes down and we're, you know, financially unwell and my husband's unwell and everybody like it's just stressful. And, And I would say capacity comes as you need it and just learn to Learn to not make it a problem as often as you possibly can. <laughs> yeah. Someone recently said to me, I forget who this was, but every stage of life like takes up all your time. Like when you have one kid that takes up all your time, when you have two kids that t- two kids that takes up all your time. And so it almost is like when you have two, you think if you had four, you would need double time. And if you had eight, you would need four times the time. Yeah. But it does like the capacity comes with it and you learn to, there's so mm-hmm. many things that you learn just aren't a big deal that you thought were. And yeah, like it's, it's all a perspective thing. I feel like there is obviously more work with more kids and it's, it's definitely not easier, but mentally it is easier or at least it doesn't feel 
exponentially harder like you might expect, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it really doesn't. And, and I get this question every time in my Instagram Q&A box, which is, how do you give everybody individual time? Oh, I get that like all the time. Like quality yeah. time. Yeah, like I just don't understand it. And and I when I answer that question, I say, you know, it's funny because I'll have these moments where I'm changing the baby's diaper and I'll have three of my bigs around me and they're just like cooing him and we're talking. And it's like this most beautiful quality time moment. Was it individual? No, but it was so rich. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I think people get so individual? hung up on that. I won't be able to divide my attention. And I was like, listen, you don't have to have divided attention. You can have attention on the moment and nobody is divided. Everybody is seen. Everybody is heard. And that is so beautiful for me. That, that thought alone has disarmed a lot of the mom guilt that I maybe used to subscribe to when I felt like I had to give every single person, you know, this one-on-one a huge quantity amount of time and quantity of time. And here's what I like to tell people too is, Hey, do you remember how many hours you spent with your mom that day? Or do you remember what you did? Mm -hmm. Right. Because as children, we don't really remember. It was from 10 AM to 2 PM that we did our quality time on Friday. It was just like, no, my mom went out of her way to make sure that I felt special. And how do you quantify that in time? Mm-hmm. It's usually yeah. a moment, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. And maybe that's just a different perspective shift. Like you were saying, you learn to look at things different when you have a big family. Yeah. I mean, are you able to take each child out for a special day date with mommy and daddy once a week? No, but maybe no. you'll realize <laughs> that you don't act that you don't have to, like, it's great if you can, and that's the situation you're in, but it's, it's, if you don't, that's okay too. It's, you, you know, kids end up happy and healthy. I don't think that was even a thing when I was a kid. Like people didn't really yeah. worry about that when I was a kid, but now it's something that we all have, like, it's an absolute like breathing and eating, you know, like if you don't do that, then they're not going to grow up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And I, again, I didn't grow up in a home where, you know, my mom wasn't, my mom wasn't present. I was, I was raised by my, by my dad and I don't have any ill feelings toward my mother. I I think, you know, like I had, I have great memories with my mom and I, I'm not, I didn't grow up bad, so to speak. You know what I mean? I think, and I think that's the thought behind it is that we're going to grow up and our kids are going to feel the way we feel about our parents at times, which is a totally different conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I think about memories all the time. Like my kids make fun of me because half the things I do, I'm like, I think when you're older, you're going to be like, mom did this with us. Like, I'm always like worried about how they're going to perceive yes. their childhood whenever they're grown up. Like that's something I'm really conscious of. And I think I do put like unnecessary pressure. Like I was just realizing that it's October or I think this this episode comes out way later. But anyways, it's like fully in the middle of fall. And we've only done this like one time. We've yes. only done this one time. And I want there to be like 12 times that we go do this thing. And it's like, oh, come on. I know. Just, I'm kind of the same way too. Like, like when I'm just doing... like getting cool and having leaves change is good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm that way with birthdays and such. I think of them at age 25 reflecting on their birthdays. And I'm like, you will see balloons in the picture. You will see a cake. You will see, like, I will make sure that even if you don't remember it, I will have a photograph of it. So you can't deny the evidence that it was very special. And yes. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
<laughs> I'm so glad I'm not alone in that thought. Uh, Lisa, we I know. can be easily fast friends. <laughs> I know, seriously. Well, that like also I've noticed just like from being on social media that there's going to be a time when they're going to come across some forum that is going to make it seem like they should have had this in their childhood. And we can't give them all things. You can't both send them to prom and homeschool them. And like we're, we've chosen a very different lifestyle. And I know it's a good one. I'm very confident. Like I feel like it's the best possible one. But I'm worried. Sometimes I worry. This is not right to worry that they're going to come across something that's going to make them think that there was something better out there that they weren't given, even though I know that's not true. All that matters in that moment, like if they're going to be friends with me when they're adults, is if they think it's true. And so I do, I think about that a lot. I like even tell them like, you know, someday somebody might tell you that, you know, it would have been a lot better if you had done this or that, you know, gone to this school and done this thing. And I want you to remember that like, we did, we chose what we felt was best for you. Do you think about that? I, I do. I joke with my children and I say, don't worry. I have money set aside for therapy. I promise you'll get to choose different <laughs> yes. for your children. Yep. <laughs> like I, I, I do. I'm just like, if you don't like this, the good news is you get to do it different with your kids and you get the choice as a parent. And there are things that my parents did that I don't do. And there are things that I'm going to do that my kids aren't going to do. And I think, again, the more comfortable and at peace we are, like you said, at the end of the day, you're doing the best decision that you feel is right. And you're, you're giving it your all. There's no way that you can stand there at the end of the day and say, you know, I, I, I didn't ask for any of this. Like you, you are purposefully designing your life and we're all going to have to acknowledge that we got some right and we got some wrong Mm -hmm. and that's what it is to be human. Right. You know, there is no like euphoria and perfect life is reserved for heaven, not for here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we have to constantly come back to that and say like, that is reserved for a time that is not now. And it's okay to want that, you know, in the good old words of C.S. Lewis, the longing that I have must mean that I'm meant for another world. And that's okay. And I think that that's, again, coming back to that first question of like, how do you raise godly kids is to acknowledge like, it's not all well here. We make beautiful moments. And I'm like you, Lisa, I look for the beauty in my life. I could easily see all the ways that the world is a dumpster fire, hot mess, but I see beauty all around me. I cultivate it on purpose. I, I highlight it to my children. And I just come back to that idea of like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to give an account for my lifestyle someday. And this is the one I want to give an account for. Mm -hmm. This is the one I feel the best about right now. And that feels again, that, that piece of like, Hey, I chose this. It didn't just happen to me. feels really, really good. Right. Yeah. And for the record, my kids currently totally agree and love our lifestyle. I just have like worries about the way the world is and with like the way the internet and forums and all of that nasty stuff. I'm like, I hope someday you don't, you know, I hope that I've steered you clear of all of that, but you know, like, cause people ask too, like in these questions and we don't, we don't have time for all these questions, unfortunately, man, I wish we could answer. They're so good questions. I I know. know, I know. They're so good. But they ask about like smartphones and yeah, like we're, we're keeping those away. But I mean, at some point, obviously. Yeah. I want to know what are you doing with smartphones? Like, let's pretend, let's pretend this isn't in the podcast, Lisa. What what are you doing about smartphones? I mean, well, with (laughs) the kids, like they don't have one and my oldest is almost 15 Yeah, and I don't see one coming anytime soon. And I realize that her peers (laughs) do. 
But, you know, obviously at some point, like she's going to be driving, she's going to be, you know, needing to, you know, this in this world, like there's a lot of opportunity online. And so, you know, yeah, there'll be there'll be a time when we will do that. And for me personally, what I do about smartphones, I mean, I have one, I delete apps nonstop and try to put in its place. Really, honestly, I feel like the best thing is I'm like the best way to be less addicted to the phone is I'm so busy. Like I have every day on my to-do list, like between school and the meals I'm going to make. Like today I cleaned out my freezer already, made yogurt, got my starter fed. Like it's Monday. I have a lot to do. I haven't had time to be addicted to my phone today. So, you know. Yeah, that's a good word too. I listened to your podcast uh, recently. You had a guest on there talking about going back to doing things around the house that we normally hire out or just don't even think about. Yes, and one of the yes. things that I've been loving yeah. lately is pressing, pressing my tablecloths, like my table linens. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I, and my kids come up to me and they're slow in conversation. Like there's some rich things happening around activities that some people would think like, I don't Waste know, is a luxury or a lesser than thing to do. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, I would just be sitting on my phone watching reels yeah, like what else would I be doing? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I, it's a, it, yeah, there is a time and place for that, and I like reels. I mean, I like to laugh with my kids, and I think it's fun. But to do it all the time, like, nah, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. So that that smartphone conversation is starting to come up. My oldest is almost twelve, and I, I think I haven't landed the plane on this, but I think I'm going to monetarily incentivize them to stay off social media. Like I want to give them a monthly tuition to stay off (laughs) social media until, unless they want a business or whatever. But so for me, it's not just the smartphone. It's the social media aspect when, I mean, I don't know about you. I was 25 when I got an iPhone. I'm glad I I was older. I was, um, I don't, I don't think I would be, I was almost 30 actually before I got an iPhone. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I waited a good So you were coming to the while. table with a lot of maturity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, there's, you're so impressionable, especially as a teen, but even in your twenties, you know, um, there's a lot of comparison. Again, that's why I have a huge heart for young moms who are 22 to 27, man, Pinterest. I, I'll never forget this. And my dad told me as a builder, he does construction. And he said, you know what the problem I have with Pinterest is? He said, people bring me their Pinterest pictures and they realize they don't realize it's computer generated and they can't recreate computer generated things in your home. There's always bends in your wall. You know this. When you guys do things around mm-hmm. the farmhouse, the floor is usually unlevel. There's things an in- right. like things that are very you know, uncurated when you get into a home that's been worn and has been lived in. And I feel like that, I come back to that all the time and saying like social media is good, but we have to remember it's very curated. And as long as we have, we keep it in its place and we steward it really well, it's a great tool in the hands of good people. I'm here for it. I use it. I leverage it. I, it's a way I can do ministry like you. I love homemaking ministry on the internet. It's so fulfilling and I love it. And it has its proper place. It doesn't own me. I steward it. And that's the key. Yeah. I tried for a while to throw it out completely. I just don't think a 15 year old is going to do that. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's just it. It, there, there, it's, it has too much good to completely throw out, but you definitely have to approach it with some wisdom. And I agree with you. My, my 15 year old, although I feel that she's very responsible, very mature. I mean, she's still 15, not even, she's almost 15. So yeah, we're, we're staying away from it. And I don't know, maybe we'll go straight to like 
the other kind of phone whenever she does need to call me if she's driving. Yeah, there is a there's a phone that my husband looked at and it's like texting and like it's very basic. Yeah. That's just whatever, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Oh my goodness, I want to get through all of these questions, but I know that you're on vacation and you know, we, we've already been chatting for Yeah, we'll have to do this again. I know, seriously. I'm like, can we just do the yeah, second half of this some other time? so long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, listen, I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is not very far. If you ever want to no, have a crazy not. family fun dinner, let's, let's oh, we plan that. that. We'll, we'll pack up the NV. Yeah, we'll be fun. Okay, cool. All right, your place or mine. <laughs> hey, listen, do you want to come play with my oven? We might have to do it at mine. <laughs> Oh, that's true. Yeah. I'll let you bake all the bread in it. <laughs> Thanks so much awesome. for having me on, Lisa. Right. I really appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, thank you for coming on. All right, well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Simple Farmhouse Life podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to us chat as much as I enjoyed chatting. I wanted to be respectful of her time as a busy mom, and so I, I would have just kept talking, but that's okay. Again, thank you so much for listening. And I will see you in the next episode of the Simple Farmhouse Life podcast.